God's good to us, isn't he? He is a faithful God. He is glorious and he is worthy of our praise. And uh, today, a few uh, months, a couple of months ago, uh, we was uh, talking and thinking and praying about Mother's Day and Father's Day. And Renee uh, had had a thought for Mother's Day. And this thought uh, was just impressed upon me, running to the Father. And uh, so today's uh, message is just entitled, Running to the Father. And uh, so along with that, I thought, well, uh, you know, I'm not running. I don't run. I told you last week, if you see me running uh, down the road, uh, you better stop and pick me up. Because two things are happening. I'm not doing it for my health. And second of all, something is chasing me. All right? And uh, so, so help, help pastor out if you see me out running. And, uh, but we brought in an expert today. Uh, our own Pastor Charlie. Now he's a runner. And he and Caleb and... I said, well, I talked to him last week, and I said, you know, you're an expert. And he said, I don't know about that. I said, well, if you run the Boston Marathon and you run a 100-mile run, you're an expert. Yeah. All right. And so, uh, but he's going to be coming and sharing with us in just a moment. But I want to read this scripture right here, and then uh, he's going to be coming. And uh, as I said last week, uh, Pastor Charlie's been around here a long time, and he's served in so many capacities and uh, through the years and he still serves on our administrative elders and uh, we're appreciative of him and Lisa and, and uh, for their commitment to this house. Amen? Praise God. Luke chapter 15, uh, you know this story but I just a very familiar uh, text but I want to read from it here today. Luke chapter 15 starting in verse number 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Now, I want you to notice this. He, said, uh, he says, give me, right? Give it to me. And he said, uh, so he divided uh, to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger gathered all together and journeyed into a far country and wasted his possessions on prodigal living and so what he is simply saying here is is he is saying I want my inheritance and so what the the picture that you see here is is he's saying to his dad uh, you need to go ahead and die you need to give me what is mine now it wasn't his but he had in his attitude that's the reason I wanted you to notice he said give me because he thinks that he deserves this, but he never done anything to get it. His, his dad did the work, but he receives it by inheritance, right? But he's saying, give it to me, and it isn't even in season. It isn't even time yet. But when he had spent all of the, there, he arose and uh, a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And... And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he uh, sent him into the fields to feed the swine. 
and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So you just imagine with me, he goes from a place of uh, plenty to a place where he was wanting to eat pig's feed, right? And then he says in verse 17, but when he came to himself, have you ever lost yourself? You lost your way, did something crazy. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I just want to say this today, that that's how you know a true father and a fatherly anointing is because even in times of famine, there's plenty in the father's house. Amen. There's plenty in the Father's house. How many of my Father's servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my Father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no more longer worthy to be called your son. Now look at the mindset that changes. He says there in verse 11, give me, or verse 12, give me. But here he says in verse 19, make me. Right? Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a long ways off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Right? Michaela brought this up last week that, that it was um, custom in that day that old men, older men did not run. It was an embarrassment. It was an indictment to the whole family for a father figure or a patriarch to be seen running. It meant that the family wasn't taking care of him. It meant a whole lot of disrespect and dishonor for the, uh, uh, the patriarch to not to be, have to run to do something. It meant that something was bad wrong in the family. But the, the father took on this uh, and he said, I'm willing to be embarrassed. I'm willing uh, to make it look like a, the shame is put on me because he's seen his son afar off. He runs to him, falls on his neck and kisses him and says, and he begins this discourse. A father, uh, I, I am sinned I'm against heaven and again in your sight and no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father said to him, uh, to his servant, bring the best robe. Of course, there's all kinds of things here, but we're not preaching today. Uh, bring the best robe and put on him. Put a ring on his finger and put sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill him and let's eat uh, and be merry. For this my son who was dead is alive again, who was lost is found, and they began to be merry. Amen. The father didn't even listen to the discourse of the son. He just, as a good father would do, he said, that's foolish talk, right? He said, uh, you're not going to be a servant. And he tells them to bring uh, the best robe, a sign of royalty, amen? Put the ring on his finger. It's a sign of signa that he is, has the authority to sign legal documents. It is, and then he tells him to put sandals on his feet. Uh, it is a sign that you're not a slave, you're not a servant, but you're a son. You belong in the family. And then thirdly, he said, kill the fatted calf 
Uh, the fatted calf was always in tradition. They would keep a calf prepared to, to slay in case dignitaries would come by the house. In case somebody of great value or importance would come by, they would have a calf ready to be slaughtered. And by the father slaughtering the fatted calf, he was saying there's nothing more important that can happen today than my son returning home. Amen. Aren't you glad today we have a father like that that is willing to run to us? Amen. Praise God. So I just wanted to read that scripture today. Pastor Charlie's coming today. Would you give him a good welcome this morning as he comes? Good morning. Um, last week I went and visited Pastor and Sister Renee and, um, talk, you know, trying to get more of an idea of what he wanted me to speak on today. And they, were, they had pizza. I think Jordan and Michaela brought in pizza. And, and Sister Renee said, you probably, you know, there's pizza in there, but you probably don't eat, you know, stuff like that. And I kind of chuckled. And so as I come up here, you know, usually pastor has these water, you know, just because uh, I love running and enjoy running doesn't mean that I don't have my little uh, addictions as well as far as like my Diet Coke in the morning instead of having coffee or you know, juice or any of those things. I start my mornings off with a, a run and then a Diet Coke and usually three eggs, to be honest with you, most mornings. So that's what I eat. But I, I do appreciate the bishop, um, pastor, um, asking me to speak. It's been a long time since I've been up here. Um, it, you know, they called me Pastor Charlie years ago. It, sometimes it seems like a different uh, life, but, you know, I, I was the youth and children's pastor here for years. And, and actually, I was thinking about it as I was preparing for this message, um, Pastor. Um, my family and Lisa's family as well first came to this church, I believe I was 17, year, 17 to 18 years old, somewhere around that. And right now I'm 52. So we have been coming to this church for a long time. And, um, you know, and as I think about the influences, of course, of, you know, it's being Father's Day, so I appreciate you letting me, you know, speak on Father's Day and, and the way my career's gone. Um, and there's the man right there, my dad, so I'm going to cry. <laughs> but as far as, you know, um, my career, as far as work goes, as being a psychologist, I my specialties children and families and couples and I really believe that comes out of you know my family and being raised in a Christian family a loving family and having a loving you know dad and one of the most important things in my life that I've always wanted to do was be a dad so I just want to start off today by welcoming all the dads and just letting you know even though the world may say you're not important you should be doing other things you should be working you know, leave the kids to, you know, your wife or grandmas, whoever, but dads, you are important. Your presence, as I get into my sermon today, your presence is so, so important. I can't, you know, when I'm doing therapy with families, I can't tell you how important it is when we have a, a dad who's involved, who's, you know, as I want to share, accessible, responsive, and engaged. It just, you know, moms are important, but when we have a mom and a dad, it makes a big difference in the family and, and, and the work that we're able to do. But anyway, I just wanted to start off today just thanking the pastor for sharing the pulpit. I don't take this lightly, actually. In my therapy, I'm really transparent, and I tell everybody, you know, 
just um, whatever's going on, we make the implicit explicit. So whatever's going on inside, we make it known. And and I'm anxious today, so I'll just make that known. I've I, I've spoken um, and done trainings and with uh, some of you know international trainers and been trained by international trainers and watched they've watched me do therapy and watched me do work as I've gotten certified in different models and. That doesn't bother me, but you guys are my church family, and this is important, and I believe standing up in front of you and sharing something that God put on my heart is like the most important thing that I could do, so I really believe that. Don't take it, don't take it lightly, and I, I just want to say thank you to Jordan and the media team, because even this morning as I was out running, I can't, two videos popped in my head, and I came back and t- texting, can I add these? <laughs> so, you know, and they, they have been very gracious and, and, and allowed me to, to add those. And um, one, before I get started, one other thing I wanted to do, years ago, you know, I, like I said, I started here as a teenager, and, and I did, I actually got saved in the Barbersville Church of God when I was around seven years old. And then as I was a teenager, I kind of got away, but then I got, you know, re- really rededicated my life and married Lisa at 19, and we really started, you know, at, in this church serving, and, you know, I would serve, we served with the teenagers, but also I would teach the older adults, and, but somewhere in there, I got in my mind that I wasn't a Church of God preacher, I didn't yell, I didn't scream, I didn't hike, I didn't do those things. I didn't bring down the fire and brimstone by any means whatsoever. <laughs> and so I kind of got like self-conscious and stopped speaking for a while. And, um, and then, and even on youth services and stuff, I would do it occasionally, but I stopped for a while. And then I was thinking about this week after pastor asked me to speak, what got me started back? And it was, um, I'm going to cry again, but it was actually CT. And when he came, he's like, well, why aren't you speaking? you should be speaking. And I said, well, I don't really feel that confident. And he said, well, I want you speaking. So he started having me speak on a regular basis and, you know, help me with my confidence. And just, you know, as one of the fathers of this house, one of the, you know, few pastors that's ever pastored here, because we've only had like a handful, right? He, I see him as an encourager. You know, he always encouraged me. He encouraged me to do better, much like my own dad, who's sitting back there. And, and even one time, Lisa was having a, a situation with her job, and, and he, you know, he always asked you how things were going, and he, and he cared about it, and he, he just he told her he prayed about it, and he said, everything's going to be okay. And just like, like that, and she, when we walked away, she goes, he just said that like he knew it. Do you really? And I was like, I think he does know it. I, I mean, he seemed pretty confident, and, and everything worked out. You know, so everything was okay. So as I think of Pastor C.T. this morning as we're honoring fathers, I just want to, you know, he was an encourager, and he always encouraged me and was proud of me. And, and, and as far as my psychology and my, that part of my career goes, he, he supported me and wanted me to do that as much as, as standing up here today. So he, he was a big support for me. So I just wanted to start off by honoring the dad's here today, and, and my father, I didn't know he was going to be here. I thought he was traveling today, so I'm so thankful he's here, and my son's here, and um, so I'm just really thankful for that. So before I get started, I really would like you guys, let's take a moment and let's pray um, that God will help me um, center in on what he really wants me to share today. So, 
Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for just blessing us and just giving us this wonderful place to worship, Lord. And just thank you for everyone who serves. And just thank you for everyone that's here today. And please touch all the dads and let them know that they are important, Lord. And just please help me as I have prepared, you know, for the past week plus and just really thinking about all the things that I could share. Lord, help me to really... Um, share, Holy Spirit, what you have put into my heart. God, please help me to give that to your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so my challenge was, how was I going to mix running and stories of running into Father's Day? And Pastor had told me what he was speaking, you know, what he was going to share briefly. And I just to start off, I really love this story um, for many reasons. Um, but I love the story because of this this father yes he he runs to the son but there's so much more than that that's that's behind the scenes if we kind of go back right i mean we get this little snippet of when the son's ready to go so we're thinking probably you know what late adolescence maybe early adulthood and his older son you know he's he's preparing at some point to take over the family business or the family farm right so there's been a lot's happened mom's not mentioned we don't know if mom's involved, has been involved, but we can tell a few things about um, this father. And I love running to the father because the son, yes, ran to the father, but there's a reason he ran to the father. He knew the father was going to be there. He knew the father was going to be present, right? And that didn't just happen at that moment. Even though he had rebelled against his father, he still, when he came to his senses, I love how the pastor put that, when he came to himself, he knew that the father was going to be there. How did he know the father was going to be there? Well, because there had been a lifelong um, pattern of his dad being there for him, right? There's been a lifelong pattern, I would suppose, of his dad being accessible, his dad being responsible, his dad being engaged, his dad spending time with him, right? When I think about my life, you know, the, our memories, and, and I tell Lisa's all the time, like yesterday we were up at um, traveling around with Caleb, and we went to Sandstone, and I think, I think I've been here at Sandstone Falls, I think I've been here before, you know, because we've been, when I was growing up, we were so many places, we, my family, we would always travel around the state, we would camp, we would do things together, we would fish, my, my dad had me hunting, um, I remember one time we went to Cheat Mountain, um, and we, we, he lost his universal joint going in and, you know, we're searching and, and it's snowing, you know, big s snowballs and it's like a foot deep of snow or it was to me as a little guy, but I was probably five years old. I don't know if I was even five and he drags me up Cheat Mountain, you know, and, and, you know, hunt and, and fish. He always had me out. He was always doing things with me, right? He was always active with me. And mom was as well, but I just have a lot of memories of dad. Like, wherever he would go, I went with him. It was just pull me along. And, and, and he'd always, adolescent, sometimes I got off. He wanted to teach me things, and I really didn't want to learn. But I wanted to talk to Lisa on the phone. But you know how that goes. But I just always have this memory of dad being present, dad being around. Even if I disappointed him, he still would hug me, tell me he loved me, and we get through, we'll get through this. We'll figure it out, you know. I may have been a knucklehead, did something stupid. I mean, I just had such honor and love and for my father, and I knew I never wanted to disappoint him, even when I knew I was disappointing him, if that makes any sense whatsoever. And I, I remember one time, this, this wasn't in my sermon, but a funny story, 
You know, I had a mouth as a teenager. Probably all along I had a mouth, and my mom and dad may share that. But I um, remember one time in high school we had this uh, vice principal, and he, I just like, he just drove me crazy. So one day we weren't allowed to wear tank tops. And the girls were, but the boys weren't. So I decided I was wearing a tank top to school anyway. So I wore a tank top, and this, this principal came up and says, you know, Charlie, you need to put your shirt on. I said, well, why is it okay for the girls to wear it? And I said, I got my ideas. And he said, Charlie, you got two choices right now. He said, one is you can put on a shirt and go about, to put on a whole shirt and go about your day. Or the second one, I'm going to call your dad and see what he thinks about this conversation. All right. What do you think I did? <laughs> I put a shirt on and went about my day because I didn't want Dad to know I was disrespecting the principal, right? So that because I didn't want to disappoint him because, you know, I knew he was there for me. I knew he would always be there for me. And so I love this, this story because you see this father, right, running to the father. But what, what happened first? What happened first? The father knew his son so well, he knew there was no reason arguing about what was going to happen, right? He knew there was no reason arguing that he wanted his inheritance and he was going to go off and, and you know, lose it. I mean, he may not have knew he was going to lose it, but he knew this son and he knew his older son. And he knew this son maybe was strong-willed. He knew this son had to run his own race. He knew this son had to, to live his own life. And he was such a loving father. He, even though he knew maybe he's going to make mistakes, I'm going to let him make those mistakes, and I'm going to be here. And if you can imagine as his son's out there, do you think the dad was just, I don't know where he's at. I don't know what he's doing. I got a sneaky suspicion that dad had people out there, and he knew what was going on the whole time. Because I know my parents, as I was growing up, we thought we were, you know, sneaky when we would go and we would ride like from Ona all the way around Milton and we would, you know, we didn't do anything bad, but we would be riding in our bikes and hanging out and being places that we weren't told we could go, right? And when we would get home, mom and dad always knew where we had been, right? Somebody had called them, someone had seen us, someone had told them, but they always knew where we are, were, right? Nowadays we have phones and kids, you know, are tracked all the time, but Somehow my parents knew usually what I did before I got home, and we didn't, back in, you know, the 70s and 80s, we didn't have phones. We didn't, you know, we had a party line, but we didn't have cell phones that was in our pockets all the time. But they knew because they were, you know, good parents. They kept up with what we were doing, and they weren't clueless about what was going on. They may not have always challenged, but they, they knew what was going on, right? And I see this father the same. This father knew that his... His son was out doing those things, and, and you know, he was going out looking for his son. He saw his son coming from far off. I think he knew his son was coming. I think he knew what I think he knew. I think he may have gone out often hoping and waiting for his son to come, but I think he knew that his son was coming home, right? And he wanted to see him. He wanted to be reunited with him. And so this is what I wrote down is moving toward. He, you see this dad moving toward his son. His son wanted to run off and go live on his own you know he moved towards and allowed him to do that right and then when his son was coming back he moved towards him and then on the last part of this this story the older son right the older son was kind of mad like why in the world are you celebrating him dad and he you know he he embarrassed you he made you look like a fool he made you look like a bad father and just like you know like Michaela said and pastor lifted up about him running you made him look like a fool and embarrassed him and, and 
to his younger brother, and then dad, you reward him for that? Now he's going to do whatever because you just reward him for doing the wrong thing, right? And, but who went to the older son? Did the older son come to his dad and complain? Nope, the older son wouldn't come in. The older son was staying out. He wouldn't come into the celebration. The dad knew that his older son wasn't there, and he moved toward his older son and went and said, Look, son, you don't get it, right? Your brother was dead, and now he's alive. Your brother wasn't part of the family anymore, and now he's back. You've always been with me, and all of this is yours, right? I mean, he squandered his inheritance. It's not like he's getting that back, but all of this is yours, you know, and so we're celebrating this. So again, his father, the father moved towards the older son, and really that was love. He was sharing with his older son, this, I'm doing the right thing here. We're celebrating your brother, and we're bringing him back into the family, right? So I just, and as I see this, I see a um, vision of our father, right? Our heavenly father. Sometimes in our media and things, not maybe not sometimes, he always gets a bad rap. And I love the songs that we sang today, you know, running to the Father, you know, and talking about the love of the Father, a good, good Father. Right? Because that's my view of the Father. And I got that view of the Father, um, I really believe, from being in church my whole life and having a loving and caring Father. And also being loved and cared by other fathers, right? And in this church, I have a lot of father figures, you know, um, like Brother Joe was always someone I looked up to, you know, just consistent. Brother Gary, you're another person that I've always just looked up to. I've had other people in my life. Um, I didn't have a grandfather, but I do remember, um, and I didn't talk to mom and dad about it, but I do remember a, a, an older man that we were friends with, I guess, and, or they were friends with, but I called him Papa Blake. And as I was preparing for this, and then I had other, I had uncles and people who, you know, that I, that were again father figures who who instilled certain things with me in me, and so I had a good view of what a father was, and so it's easy for me to see, I guess, um, our heavenly father as this loving, caring father, right? And but as I was l- listening to the story and and studying it. I was thinking about, you know, God the Father, he's all, he made mankind, right? It, before vegetation and all of that, and before everything was multiplying and doing all of his thing, he formed man out of the dust of the earth, right? And he made us. And, and then after he made us, you know, then he looked at us, you know, he, again, I just want you to see this vision of the Father being attuned, right? He saw that man was sad. Like, it's not good for man to be alone. Right? I need to make him a helper. I need to make him someone to be with because I, you know, we, we sometimes we see God the Father as, you know, out here, not caring, not loving, but he had compassion and he was attuned to what man needed at that time. And he knew that we needed woman. He knew that we needed a helper, right? And then even, you know, and he would come and walk with, in the cool of the evenings with Adam and Eve. He desired to spend time with his creation, right? And we got a picture of that in, in Genesis chapter 3 when he, you know, after the, you know, um, that Eve and Adam had been deceived, you know, God come looking for him in the cool of the evening, and that's how he found out that they, you know, he knew, but that's when he, they hid from him, right? And then so after he even cast them out of the garden, but we still see like he still came and, and got offerings from Cain and Abel, so he was still having relationship. I love what how um, Michaela shared that last week. It was just so enlightening to me 
of how, you know, it was in the law of how man, everything we had to do to worship, to be close to God, right? And then, but God made those laws, and even though they were tough, he did because he always desired for closeness with us. He always desired connection with us, right? And even if you look at the children of Israel, right, he, he called Moses to bring them out of Egypt, and then in the desert for 40, 40 years, right? Wasn't it 40 years? God kept them. And I just want to read um, a scripture here. If we This put up, um, uh, where did I put it? Deuteronomy 32 and 10, please. All right. And this is God sharing about Israel and, you know, Jacob, who, and it, but Israel, the, the nation of Israel. In a desert land, he found him. In a bared and howling waste, he shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Right? This is our Heavenly Father talking about his creation. Right? He loved, he loved Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob so much he made this covenant with them. And he, they, their, their nation is going to be, what, as numerous as the stars in the skies, the sand on the seashore, right? And in that time period, they had fallen away from him, but he brought them out of Egypt and... and and even then they rejected him over and over again, but he kept them as the apple of his eye. He, he provided for them. He cared for them. He, he disciplined them at times, right? He disciplined them because he loved them and cared for them and wanted them brought back to him, right? So I th- and if you think about that, you know, right, at the apple of his eye, when, so what's, if something's the some, apple of someone's eye, that means it is a prized possession. It's one of the most important, it's the most important thing that you have, right? And when we think about fatherhood, you know, sometimes it's a little, you know, it's a lot, right? It's a lot. And motherhood is, as well, but fatherhood's a lot. And when I think of, about my children, you know what they are—the apple of my eye, right? I would do anything for my kids. I was, and kids desire it too, don't you think? Like they—they they want that connection with the father, and we're going to show some of that here in a minute. But they want that connection with their parents. They want that connection with their father. Last week we um, had some—we um, let Gideon and Cain and have a pool party, and uh, they invited a lot of you know their church friends and various people came to the house, and. You know, all these kids are in the pool and they start jumping off the diving board, right? But when and the parents are sitting over here, we're all in our chairs and we're watching. The kids would get up on the diving board and there's like, what do you think they did? They just jumped in and played? No. Mommy, Daddy, look at me, right? And they would do their pose, right, like this, and they'd get ready. And then sometimes the older brothers would come up and get tired of their little brothers standing there, and they'd push them, go ahead and push them in the pool, like, come on, you've got enough time. And then they would do the same thing, you know, and they would even say, Pastor Charlie, are you looking? Look at me. And, you know, we'd be talking, we'd have to, all of us would turn our attention and we would look at the kids, right? Why did we do that? Because they're important to us. We, know, we want them to know, hey, we are watching you, and you are important to us, and we love you, and we care about you, right? And that's what God the Father, that's what God the Father has always done. He's always been there, just like this Father. He knows us. He's attuned to us. You know, He cares for us, and He knows what we're doing all the time, right? He knows what we're doing all the time. And... You know, I was kind of I really struggling all week and this morning. Like, how do I fit running in? How do I do my story of my 100 miles? Because Pastor had asked me to share about my 100-mile race. 
and different things. Like, how do I do this with, with um, you know, talking about fathers and, and looking at this awesome story? And I just kind of want to go in like the father ran, right? But I see running as a journey. I see running as, for me, as, and this isn't an infomercial for running, Right? I don't expect you guys that you have to go run after this service. Um, you know, I, I was teasing Pastor Renee last week that I was going to start a, you know, a couch to 5K class for you guys after this maybe. But, but I was just joking. You know, it's not that I think that everybody should run and everybody, you know. But I found running. And in a time of my life when I was going through my 20s, you know, we're busy raising kids. We had summer when I was 21. And then Caleb, I think I was 23. And, and just busy, and, and I ran in high school, middle school and high school, but then in the 20s, I didn't run at all. And I actually got up to about 196 pounds, and I felt horrible. I had pressure on my chest. I, I had heart pains. And so Lisa and I decided to lose some weight, and we, ran, we lost weight by Weight Watchers. I didn't do it by running. I would try to go out and run, and I would run five miles. And then I'd be dying, I'd be sore for a week, and I wouldn't do it again for a year, right? It was horrible. And then after we lost so I mean, it was, I, 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 would, I remember in Airwood Lane, I would take off and I would think, just what I did in high school, right? I have to go do what coach told us to do. So I would go find heels and stuff, I, and I would be so sore the next morning, I couldn't walk. So I wouldn't keep it up. And then after I lost that weight, I was, uh, I think I was around 29 years old, and then you know how we do New Year's resolutions. I decided I was going to start running. And um, so I went out, and be, this, is real, this is a true story. I ran around my house in Arrowwood Lane. I ran around the house ten times. Just around the house. Not that big of a house. Ten times. Then I did that for a week or two, and then I went around our property. We had like three quarters of an acre. I ran around the property ten times. And then I ventured out to the end of our street. And then I, I went a half mile out and a half mile back. And then it just kind of kept growing from them. But for running for me, it became, you know, I just kind of compare it to my Christian walk, right? It became a lifestyle for me. And I, and I draw a lot of connections from running and, and living as a Christian and living as a Christian father. Um, and we'll get to how I get to it. How do you go from just running around your house to running a 100-mile race? That seems really, like, why would any same person think about running a hundred miles right why would we do that you know um but i just first of all i want to kind of again running for me is always moving toward just like the father moving towards his son you know there's there's a, there's a goal right i'm going to go run a mile i'm going to go run two miles i'm going to run five miles or 20 whatever it is i have a goal i have a set purpose right and as a christian and I have a set purpose, right? I want to live as pleasing to my Heavenly Father, and I want, to, I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? And to do that, I have to do certain things, right? I mean, I don't have to, but if I really want to live in the fullness the way the pastor's been sharing in messages, and I really want to you know, be in favor, right, then certain things happen. Like, if I want to run a successful race, I can't just not run and go <coughs> run the race. Like, I couldn't have just got up and not run at all and run 100 miles, right? I couldn't have done that. So, and just like being Christian, I can't just assume that whenever I'm going to need to draw on His power, that if I haven't 
studied and prayed and, and sometimes fasted, right? And, and been around Christian brothers and sisters and, and had people pour into me that it's just going to be there when I need it if I haven't cultivated it. So for me, running, is it helps me cultivate it. It's my worship to God. Um, I think, you know, God delights in His children. Like I said, we're the apple of His eye. And I always kind of have this, I just kind of see God up there. And I think when we're out and we're, we're using the gifts that He gave us, whatever those are, if it's painting, if it's, if it's shopping, you know, if it's something, because we can do shopping, you know, as up to the Lord. We can also be giving, you know. He, I think He delights when we are happy and doing things, right? If when I'm running... I think he loved, like, there's my son out running. Look at him run. Because like, I know I love going to watch Caleb run. You know, when he, was in all, when he was in middle school, high school, college, and even now, yesterday, we watched him run a 50K. I delight in being around and seeing him run. So I can imagine my Heavenly Father loves us d- d- being out, being active, and doing things like camping, fishing, hunting, you know, painting, whatever it is your gifting is, I think that is worship. And I think when we do those things and we do them under God, I think He loves our worship. I mean, I love singing praise songs. Um, and I love, you know, uh, praying and doing those things. But, and those are, that's a form of worship. But I also think when we're living our lives, and for Him, I think He loves that and He sees it as worship. And I think He is proud of us and I think He notices because each one of us are an apple or apple into His eye. He knows what, you know, what's going on, right? And so for running for me has became a, a lifestyle. And I just want to look at a few scriptures and then I'm going to go into really the, the main part of this. Um, so Hebrews 12 and 1, if we could put that one up there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that marked, that's marked out for us. I love that perseverance. Another word for that could be endurance, right? But in running, to build endurance, you have to, you have to keep going further, right? If I only ran three miles then that's, I'm, I may be able to do a 5 or a 10K, or I mean a 10K, maybe a little further, but if I really want to go further, right, if I want to go f- longer distances, then i got to build up endurance. And when I run, three, when I'm in training, right, when I'm in training and I'm running 3 miles, 5 miles, you know, I go, I go up to 10 miles, 15 miles, if I'm preparing for a marathon, then I want to get up and do multiple weeks, uh, probably 50 to 60 miles a week, sometimes more, as I get older, Caleb writes my training plans for me. And as, as I get older, I've noticed, I've looked, I got all of them ones he's ever written me, and I pull them all out. And as I get older, he's working me harder than he did when I was younger. I don't know if you know that, but I'm like, oh, my God, like, I can't do this anymore. And then I do it. And guess what? Most of the time when I follow my training plan, I hit my goal. I mean, not always, but most of the time, if I really follow it, I'll hit my goal, right? And I think as Christians, we, you know, as far as building endurance, as, as we go through this life, and fathers, as we go through this life, we, you know, we build endurance by continually to, to pray and you know, read our Bible and to study and to be around other people who help inspire us and who encourage us. And you know, that, day, that daily practicing, right, that daily practicing our faith 
telling others about Christ, living, being kind, being loving, being caring to other people, that, that cultivates inside and we build endurance. So when, as I'm going to get into my, about my race, when we get into those low times, we can draw from all, of the, all that training we did, right? And when we pour into other people, when, we're, when we get in those dark places, guess what happens? People are there for us, just like you know, we were there for them. Right? So, also I want to look at 2 Timothy 4 and 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Right? And that's our goal. And I want to show you in a minute what a goal of like a 100 mile race of what our prize is versus what a prize is as, as a Christian. Right? But we're, we're, we want at the end of our race, we want to know that we finished the race. Right? We kept the faith. We made it. And, as, and when I'm running a, a physical running race, I want to finish the race. Even if I'm injured, I know some people, I mean, yeah, sometimes you may need to drop out. I don't like dropping out. I have this mindset, if I have to crawl to the finish line, I want to make it because I want to finish the race. At that point, you know, I have certain goals. I may have a goal to, to get a PR, a goal to win my age division, or a goal. But at the end of the day, my goal is I want to finish the race. And as Christians, I just want to encourage you, let's finish the race. And fathers, as far as being, you know, raising our kids, we want to finish the race. And then 2 Corinthians, I really love this one, 9, 24 through 27. I love Paul's words here. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. I love that. We should live our lives in such a way that we're going to get first place every single time. We may not get first place, but even as fathers, we need to be involved with our kids. Like I said, remember, accessible, responsive, and engaged. To, to, to steal the best in them, right? To give them everything we have. We want them to be successful. So as we pour into them, that's for me as a father running that race. I want to run it to be the best dad ever in the history, right? Will I be? Probably not. But I want to always strive to be the best, right? And then the rest of that. Everyone who competes in the games going, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, right? When we run the race, like if I run a 10K, 100K, or 100 mile or whatever, I get a prize, um, but it does, it's not going to last. Actually, sometimes, I, Brother Mike um, Parsons, I was hoping he'd be here today, but several years ago we ran a race together, him, Caleb, and I. And... When we won first place in our in our relay, you know, and I couldn't find, I looked and looked for that, but I couldn't find it. So, you know, those physical things don't last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever, right? We do it to get to be with our heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus forever. We we do it to be with all of our loved ones and everyone in heaven forever. So we're running for a prize that will not, will last forever. Okay. So, how do you get to running around your house 10 times to run in a 100-mile race, right? How does that happen? How do sane people, sane, a sane person wouldn't do that, just like the pastor talked about, right? If you're running, then there's a reason you're running, right? For me, it was about 
just when I'm out there running, I feel close to God. And I, and I get, I just feel like for the 100 mile race, it's just, I kept wanting to go longer. It was the draw of going longer. When I, I you know, I did, I started 5Ks for years, I did 10Ks, I did 15Ks, 25Ks. And then I did a, a 31, a, a 50K, a 31 miler. And after my first 50K, it was in August, and it was running from, um, what is that, Fraser's Bottom to Ona, right? Through the back, the back trails and roads and stuff of West Virginia, up and down. And, and I did that, I'm trying to think what year, I think it was 2013, somewhere around there. And you know, when I finished that race, I was, and there was parts of that race I had to crawl my way up the mountain because my legs locked up, I couldn't even run. And I had fallen multiple times. But when I finished that race, I was dehydrated, I was sick, I was vomiting, I couldn't even drive myself home. I swore I would never, ever do that again. But when I did, but also I felt I was vulnerable and I needed other people. You know, I needed Caleb and Lisa. And then they, we went out to eat it out back after that and I couldn't even eat a steak. Uh, just the smell, I was sick. I vomited in the bathroom. I just kept begging her, let me go to the van and lay down. She goes, no, I'm afraid you'll die if you go to the van and lay down. So I, had, I laid down in the booth at Outback. Right, and then finally, she went, I convinced her, I could, I'm okay, I'm not going to die. She let me go to the van and lay down. But I was so sick, and I was never going to do that again. And then about five months later, I did it again. And Because uh, I find when I'm pushing, I love pushing my body, and I just feel like it's a sacrifice to God, and, or just worshiping Him when I push my body. And I, I get so emotional whenever I run like that. When I deplete myself and I give it everything I got to get to that finish line, I just feel so vulnerable my emotions are so raw and I and I just I appreciate things so much I appreciate my wife more than at any other time I appreciate my kids I appreciate everybody who I think of people who's helped me along the way and I just and I appreciate God the father and I know he and I have this thing when I run long distances I don't know if I've even ever told Caleb this but I pray the whole time you made me help me make me last you made me make me last. And, and I did adopted that to my everyday life. You made me, Lord. I'm going through this tough thing at work, but help me through it. You know? And I know I can do that because I know He's, he's accessible, He's responsible, responsive, and He's engaged. I know He's there. Right? So anyway, um, so I just decided, I've, I've been wanting to run a 100-mile race forever, and, and I think it was a last year maybe 2019 or somewhere in there Lisa was like when's you know you're getting older I was 50 when, when's it going to be enough when's it going to be like is there a time out there you can see that you're going to stop pushing it right and I kind of as I thought about it I kind of got depressed because I was thinking gosh I hope not I don't want to stop pushing it but then I thought about it and I said well I think 100 miles I don't and I really don't think I'm going past 100 but I said, yeah, I would like to run 100, right? And then last year with COVID, everything, all my races, I was supposed to run, Caleb and I was going to run Boston together. That didn't happen. And then they moved it to the fall. And, and then there's this race. It's the first time race that's happening up in Fayetteville, West Virginia, in the New River Gorge called Rim the River. And actually, Caleb signed up for it. And I was looking at it and thinking about it, but I thought it's going to be canceled. Don't know if I could do it, but it's going to be canceled. And but he signed up for it, and he asked me be, he be, to be his crew chief, and I said yes. 
but I kept wanting to run it. And then it, it can't, it, all my other races kept getting canceled. And finally, I just asked, and like they had capped it because of COVID. No one else could get in it. And they, and, but they were going to do a waiting list in case something shifted. And I went to Caleb, and I don't think he told me the truth. But I asked him, hey, can, would you be upset if I ran this? You know, and he goes, no, yeah, that's okay, Dad. Yeah, that's okay, because he's not going to tell me no, right? But I think, <laughs> you know, I was going to be his crew chief, and he had signed up for this. It takes a lot of support. So, you know, I ended up maybe stealing a little of his thunder there getting into it. But And then his good friend, she also did the same thing, and she joined it. So, anyway, but it was Caleb's idea, and I just really wanted We didn't get to run Boston together, and I wanted to run this with my son. And I, as I was running, as I was thinking about it, I was like, is it sure in my mind, I could do this. I could do this. I've, I can make it. But, I, as, but as it got closer, I started watching videos of elites running these long races. And guess what? They don't always finish. Sometimes they get injured. Sometimes they get sick. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they end up in an ambulance going to the hospital. So as it got closer to time, I, I actually got scared. And I, and, I, and I thought, and I had all this anticipation, and I, all the, oh, I can't wait to run this race, and then I got scared and got cold feet. And I kind of remembered, you know, always wanting to be a dad, always wanting to be a dad, and then when we were going to have summer, still wanted to be a dad, but boy, was I scared. Man, am I going to be able to keep her alive? <laughs> like, if Lisa leaves her with me, I mean, for some reason, I knew Lisa would keep her alive. She maybe didn't think that. I don't know if you mothers think the same thing. But Lisa, she'd go to work, and then I would have this little infant. God, am I going to be able to keep her alive? And I remember she'd be sleeping sometimes, and I would go check on her to make sure she was breathing. Because that was a long time since her last breath was what would be in my mind. So I was so worried that she, and then Caleb the same way. Like, oh, and, you know, because we think about them all the time, right? They're the apple of our eye. We think about them, even when they're not around us. We think about them. Why are they do, even when they're adults, right? You guys who have adult children, right? Or if you're an adult child, guess what? If you have a 70 some year old, guess what? They're thinking about you all. What's, I wonder what Charlie Williams doing, right? I wonder what Jan's doing. I wonder what Melanie's doing. Like, are they okay? Right? We think about our kids all the time, right? And so it, I had to, as I was going through this race, I had to, can I make it? And then, you know what? I have trained. I, and Lisa said this, I was like, you know, I really didn't train well for that. You know, all I had was my running streak of almost a year. And she goes, you've been training for that for 20 years. Because I started running when I was 30, and I was 51 when I ran the race. So I've been preparing and training my whole entire, for the last 20 plus years, you know, so for, to perform, right? Because it's, it's, it's a lot mental. And as I took off running this race, you know what? At the beginning, it was pretty easy. And sometimes when we're serving God in parenthood, it's pretty easy. Things are flowing. Everything feels good. I feel, I, I, like going fast isn't a problem. Going up and down mountains, it's, it's, you know, didn't have to walk too much. Pretty much could just sail, right? And then I was in this race, I was um, running with two other guys and we were just talking and chatting and before we knew it we saw people running around the ridge that way around the bottom and around the ridge and then we're over here on this mountain guess what we made a wrong turn and then I'm like oh my gosh this is a hundred mile race I just added a little over a mile to it I don't know I didn't know if I could make it but now I added a mile to it so mentally I started getting oh man I can't like this and I'm at this point I'm within the first 
seven miles of the race. I haven't even gone seven miles and I already got lost. Right? I was like, how in the world am I going to be able to make it over a day out here running? And, and sometimes we do that as, you know, we make wrong turns in life. And, right? We, we get off track. We go the wrong way. And we have to turn around. And that's the important part. Turn around. And we didn't cheat. We could have ran across the field and got back on path. Nobody probably would have known. We knew. So we turned around, back track, got back on track. Right? Sometimes as being a father, we get off track. We make the wrong decision. We, you know, we miss it with our kids. We miss it. We don't get it right. But you know what we got to do? We got to repair. We got to go to them. We got to talk to them. We, and we, may, we, we tell them, hey, sorry, we messed up. We didn't get that right. And then we go on. And then also, when you're out running a race like that, guess what? You can't do it without support. All right. I had a crew chief. Um, actually, it was Caleb's crew chief. I, I piggybacked on that deal, right? And he was amazing, him and his wife. But they had supplies for us at different aid stations. They had change of shoes for me. They had clothes for me, right? The only complaint I have about my crew chief is he asked me if there was anything I needed at mile um, 26 when that was the first time they were going to be allowed to, for us to be there. And I told him one thing. You know, you may think it's stupid in the middle of a race. I said, I would really like a cold Diet Coke. And guess what he didn't have? He didn't have a cold Diet Coke. So anyway, I had, then I had to climb this big mountain after that. And I mean, it was a horrible mountain. Got to the top of it. I'm running on this trail called Camor's Minor Trail or going into it. And then I, I, I'm really running again, running really well. Everything's feeling good. I'm making good time. And this is around mile 36. And, I, and then I hit this huge mountain. And it's just so demoralizing as we switch back up and up and up. You know, and then I get almost to the top of it. And I'm really hurting. Everything's tight. And then I hear, Appy, Appy, Appy. And I look up, and there's, there's Rosalie, Summer, and Lisa. Perfect timing, right? They, they encouraged me. They built me up. I walked with them. Lisa had some pizza. I ate, sat in the picnic bench. I ate some pizza. You know, but it was kind of hot out, so when I went to the bathroom, you know, I noticed I had blood in my urine, so I mean, I was dehydrated. So then I was like, oh gosh, am I going to be able to make it? I'm 37 miles in, I'm already that dehydrated, right? So I start trying, I start problem solving. What do I need? I start trying to take in stuff, you know. And then also other runners, like one guy, and my stomach was a little upset, and he goes, hey, look, I got this stuff. This stuff helps your stomach. It's got ginger in it. Put it in your water, you know, and then... And so sometimes when we're going through our Christian walk, right, and as a father, we need people to come alongside us. We need people to help refuel us. We need people to have supplies for us, right? The kind word, encouraging word, right? We, we can't do this alone. And that's the, as a 100-mile race, you can't do it alone. I mean, some people will run it by themselves, but you still have the aid station workers who, who get you what you need, who take care of you. you got people who mark the course so you don't get off too, too much. Right, we need all these people, right? And then, as, and then, as this one lady that I was running and walking a lot with, she um, she encouraged me because you, you know what, we have ups and, and we have downs. And when you're running a long race, guess what? The downs get pretty low sometimes. I I, I thought of when I was getting close to where Lisa and them were around mile 55, I was going to quit. I was in my mind, my watch, my watch had quit working. I needed charged up. I thought I could make it there before the 55 before it went all the way dead. My light wasn't very bright. The two people I was running with ran off and left me. I was all alone. It was dark. I was on the near, if you've ever been to Hawk's Nest, I was on the Hawk's Nest Trail. 
I actually saw some pictures Caleb had after that. I said, where is that pretty waterfall at? And he goes, Dad, that's on Hawk's Nest Trail. I never saw it in the daylight. It was dark all, the whole time I was there, right? And then I, but I, when I got to 55, my buddy was there. He was going to be my pacer, and he was going to run with me. And then my wife was there. And guess what she had for me? She had a cold Diet Coke. She had, she had what I needed right when I needed. And I changed clothes. And I put on new shoes. And then, then my buddy, and I, and I got my main light. See, I just had my little light that I had in case I didn't make it there in time. I did in a drop bag. I had a little flashlight, but then I got my big flashlight and I got my headlamp. So now I could see again. And you, I don't know if you guys have ever been out in the dark, and even when I'm running in the mornings in the dark, um, I, can, I can see cars' lights way off in the distance before I could ever hear them. The light lights up the darkness. And you're right, and I was falling and tripping, going out, but when we were coming back, I was like, oh, yeah, I could see again. I had my buddy here. I was renewed, and I was able, again, it got easy, and I was able to go a long ways before, guess what? A fall happened. I was doing really well. My buddy wasn't running as fast as I wanted him to, but he was, rock, root, watch that, Charlie, don't. He was trying to keep me safe. He was trying to keep me from falling. He said, hey, one bad fall. Your whole race is over. I said, okay, okay. So I kept trying to be patient. But we were climbing down this one section, and I couldn't even, I couldn't even get my legs to do this. Right? So I'm trying to get down. I'm all shaky. And he said, let me help you. And I said, no, I got it. And there was a little rock right here. So I thought on this side is all the way down to the New River, like straight rock face. This side's a ditch that goes about five, six feet. So I step on this rock. It flips. I fall backwards into the ditch, fall about three or four feet into the ditch. The rock rolls down, almost hits my friend, but he didn't see me because he didn't have his light on me. He thought I just fell off the mountain, and he thought I was dead. He's like, oh, God, where'd you go? And I was like, and I'm over here, you know, can't get up, stoved up, my hands hurting. Right? Sometimes when we least suspect it, a fall will happen, right? When we least suspect it, something will happen with our kids, all right? And... But we got to get back up, and I had my friend there. He made sure I was okay, and I was able to keep going. And then this is the part of the story. I told the pastor, I think, that kind of he wanted me to talk about this. But around probably with 20 miles to so go or so, I started experiencing some blindness. I couldn't see. I noticed at first with lights as people were coming. Um, but as it got further along, I got so that I really couldn't see. And so when I got down to this one aid station, like my buddy went to go get some food, and I, I had my food, and I couldn't find his truck because I couldn't see it. It was like a really thick fog. And I even said, is it foggy down here because the river is right there? And he said, no, Charlie, it's not foggy at all. I think it's you. So anyway, I got my second patient, and he's a doctor, and I was running, I was running behind him. He had his light out in front of me so I could see really well. And... I told him, I said, Daniel, I, I said, I'm really struggling. I can't see. And as the sun was coming up, if I looked into the sunlight, I couldn't see anything. The only way I could see was to look at the back of his legs, and I could see a hole about this big, and everything else was foggy. And um, he's like, oh, I think it, he told me what it was, and I, I was going to write it down, but, but it's due to electrolyte imbalance from getting um, dehydrated. So I lost too much salt and stuff. So he goes, um, you're okay. He had me eat some stuff, so it's not sugar. So he said, you're okay as long as you can see. But I had this mindset that I was going to finish the race. 
Right? So I said, hey, you just stay right in front of me. And he would give me a hand signal when he thought it was safe enough to run where it wasn't too much root and rocks. And I, a lot of times I missed those. And I, I couldn't even see his hand moving, but I could see his feet. And I just focused on his feet. And he goes, Charlie, what are you going to do if you can't see that? And I said, well, I guess I, I got a rope. I'm going to have you tied around your waist, and I'm just going to, you know, walk behind you, and you can drag me along. But I was going to finish the race. That In my mind, I was going to finish the race. And I kept praying to God, you made me help me last. You made me help me last. And... Um, and then we got to this certain part, and I started really being feeling good again. My legs felt great, so I was running. And I told him, I don't want anybody else to pass me. I want to finish strong. I don't want to finish weak. I want to finish strong. He said, okay. I didn't know if I trusted him. So he kept, and I noticed at one point he kept looking over his shoulder. And I said, hey, is somebody coming? He said, yeah, I don't know if they're coming hard yet. And so we just had a little bit of the race left. And he goes, I think he's coming for you, Charlie. He's coming really hard. And he, he was looking back, and when he turned around, I was gone. I, I shot down. I, I got off the trail, and I was on the road, and it was the last, like, quarter of a mile or so. And I just, like, this guy's not going to catch me. He's not going to beat me. I'm going to finish strong. And I was running, like, eight-minute pace or whatever, and I'm running down the mountain. I can't even see the road, and I'm just running and trying to stay on the road. And anyway, he got, he, I, he got back up to me. He said, you, you broke him. He's not going to get you. And he said, you finish right there. I said, okay, right there? He said, yeah, just go there. I got to peel off, go right there. And I go, okay. I couldn't really see the finish line. And when I finished, I didn't even know I'd finished. And Caleb said, hey, Dad, good job. And I'm still, I can't see anything, right? If you see pictures of me, I'm blind, right? But I finished strong. I didn't just finish, I finished strong. So, I, fathers, I just want to encourage you today. I kind of got off of the direction I was going to go. But I want to encourage you today, you know, Finish strong. With your kids, finish strong. In your faith, finish strong. Keep moving toward. Move toward your kid, kids. I was going to go into some other stuff, but I just, as far as with kids and what we all need, we need a safe haven to go to. We need a secure base to explore our world. Right? We need people who are accessible. We need dads who are accessible because what that means to your child is, I matter. When they know they could come to you, even though, yeah, you're going to get angry. You're not always going to get it right. You're going to get off the path. You're going to fall. But they need to know, you know what? When you show them that they're the apple of your eye, when you watch them, when you're there for them, guess what? They learn, I matter. I matter to my daddy. And we matter to our Heavenly Father. Right? And we need responsive. Right? Whenever the father saw his son coming. What did he do? He didn't just stay there. He moved towards his son. And then what did his son do once he moved towards him? His son came to him. He knew his arms were open. He knew I could come to dad. Right? He didn't send these servants to go take him around back. He went down and met him. Right? That shows your kids, I can depend on you. They learn that they can depend on you whenever we are responsive. And then engaged. You're engaged with me. Your emotional presence matter. Being attuned. And I see a Heavenly Father who's, who's attuned to us. He knows what we need. He knows who we are. He loves us. And He desires to be connected to us. And that's why He sent Jesus Christ. His plan was always to get back to where He could connect and, and attune and be with us each and every day. Right? He walked in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve, but he desired such a close connection. And the only way, I mean, he knew the way to do that was through his son, Jesus Christ, because he has that oneness, wholeness with his son. And by uh, 
by you know, having His Son shed His blood and us coming under that blood, now He could have that wholeness with us. You know, the Heavenly Father, He's whole. We can't be whole without Him. And He, fa- he made a way for us to be whole. He made a way for us to finish the race and to finish it strong. Um, so now I would like to play, I'm going to not do the other videos I've had, but I want to do um, When God Ran. So just kind of watch this. This is kind of wraps up what the pastor said and hopefully what I said as well. <laughs> 